1: Hear ye, hear ye. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast
0: for all things royals. Stand by! welcome back to royally obsessed i'm roberta and i'm rachel a couple of royal reminders before we dive in follow us on instagram at royally obsessed podcast and join our facebook group at royally obsessed you can also subscribe to our podcast and leave us a royal rating of five stars it would make our day send us an email at info at Roros, we have a super special episode today. We are joined by friend of the pod and everyone's favorite royal fashion expert, Elizabeth Holmes. Welcome, Elizabeth. I am so excited to be back. And Elizabeth, as we all know, is the author of HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style. Her new book is out November 17th. So Elizabeth, tell us where you're joining from.
2: I am joining from my bedroom in California, (laughs) in the suburbs of San Francisco.
0: Which is painted
2: a delightful shade of H.R.H. blue. Yes. uh, (laughs) Coincidentally, let me tell you that the, the, the bedroom paint came first and then the book cover. Okay. I'm not that oh, Rachel. committed.
0: <laughs> Rachel and I tried to coordinate. I'm a little more minty, but I, I tried. I'm also wearing a headband, hatband. It's hard to see honor. with the headphones, but it's there. I, I love it.
2: I'm impressed that you were able to pull off the headphones and the headband. <laughs> I just have a little, a little
0: hair accessory. I have done I the yet. <laughs> So I, yeah, once I put the headphones on, I was like, no, I'm committed. Yeah. I'm wearing
1: it. <laughs> I know. I know. But what a week. I feel like we are fresh off the election. We have your book coming out. We have the Crown debut.ing There's just so much to get excited for towards the end of 2021. It's kind of wild.
2: I know. It's so many things to be excited about. I
1: love it. Did you intentionally time the release of your book with The Crown, or had that had nothing to do with it? It no, feels like just the mean, most, like the biggest gift of a week. It really <laughs> is. I mean, the stars
2: really aligned for this one. We did not plan for it, but it's pretty perfect.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. And I feel like you're also for the Crown premiere, you're also doing a royal watch party, right? I was reading that. That's really yeah. exciting. One of
2: the launch events is tied to The Crown. Um, I happened to see the the season back in August. I wrote um, ah, the cover story I for loved your piece. Yeah. <laughs> Town and Country on it, um, and I. Got Got a chance to talk to the actors who play Charles, Camilla, and Diana for the piece. And so I was. I watched it back in August. And can I just tell you what a treat it was? I mean, I, I was sort of pulled up in my house. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. And I, I wanted to sort of savor it because that's how I watch TV. But I was on deadline. And so I had to watch all 10 episodes in pretty rapid succession. And I think people are going to love this season.
1: I know it's hard uh, to find time to binge when you have kids, too, because I know you have little yes. ones. And I think that it's like, I don't know, I'm anxious already because I have a toddler and I feel like I'm like, how am I going to fit all those episodes into this coming weekend? I gotta yeah, exactly. Figure it out. <laughs> you got to black out that time. Yeah, I really do. It's a priority. Uh, well, we have so much coming up to talk about on this week's episode. We have Prince Charles and his interview with British Vogue. We have the Royals Remembrance Day celebrations at home and across the pond. Um, we also
0: are chatting with Elizabeth all about SMT, her new book, and so much more. But first, we always save time for a glass of something. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. So, Elizabeth, I hope you brought along some drink or whatever (laughs) it is. (laughs) (laughs) exceedingly
1: late.
0: Even (laughs) if it's seltzer. I brought a can of seltzer. I apologize.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's noon here in California. And so I was like, gosh, as much as I I would love... I love a glass <laughs> of bubbles. I gotta, be, I gotta be on for my kids in a second.
0: <laughs> no, we'll be we'll be sipping slowly, for sure. Yeah, um, well, it's only three here, and we have red wine. Well, I have red uh, wine. <laughs> I, I have
1: a canned g and a gin and tonic oh. from Five Drinks Co., which we'll see how this tastes. I feel like it's going to be good. Yes.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that is such a satisfying... <laughs> Cracked it open right now. Yeah, <laughs> it feels festive. Step. It's got bubbles. It counts. <laughs> well, as we we're sipping, I want to read a wonderful thread in the Royally Obsessed Facebook group. So Carla wrote, can we Make a fun list of Roro's Christmas wish list items. Things we'd want to feel a little more royal. Top of her list is Essie's nail polish, ballet slippers, and Rothy's flats. Then she writes, Your turn. So, HRH, so many thoughts on royal style, made quite a few appearances in this thread on the list. And also poppy brooches, Megan's Everlane bag, pretty much anything from the Royal Collections gift shop. One of our most loyal ro- rose Rachel, also writes, I always look forward to Elizabeth Holmes' gift guides she said she's sitting in her Diana Fly Virgin sweatshirt that she bought from last year. (laughs) So question for you, Elizabeth, are you doing the gift guide this year? And when can we expect it?
2: I am. It's going to come out right before Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm very excited about it because I have to say last year, it was my first time doing a gift guide and I sort of solicited suggestions from my audience on Instagram and people had the most amazing suggestions. People had like cardboard cutouts of Kate and (laughs) Megan. There was this Klingon that (laughs) that you can put on your car that like the queen waving so it looks like the queen is in the back seat of your car oh you have oh my gosh
0: yes yes. it was in a shopping it was a shopping parking lot and i was like oh my god
2: oh my gosh i love it so i i i plan to ask again for ideas and suggestions and then sort of lose myself um in, in searching the internet for some fun
0: finds yeah there are some great royal sleuths out there they find all the best things i didn't realize you you crowdsource a lot of that that's a lot of fun oh yeah
2: i mean i feel like the smt community is really um they love royal themed items, obviously. and I think everybody right now we're just all looking for an escape, right you know I mean this is this is fun stuff absolutely
0: definitely. Well, what's at the
1: top of your wish list this year though what are you if there was something you were buying yourself, what would you treat yourself to or that's that's royal that's royal themed.
2: There are a couple of Christmas ornaments um, from the um, palace collection that were on my list last year that I didn't get around to buy, but I would really like to to sort of commemorate 2020. 2020 for me has been this year of like living with the royal family. Because of doing this book, I started in the fall of 2019 and then spent, I mean, nine months of this year, like deep in the book research. So I do like yeah. for my Christmas tree, I'd love to have a couple things to kind of commemorate that. Um, and then actually, one of the most popular gift items from last year was um, from the Folks over at Megan's Mirror, they had that HRH sweatshirt on Etsy. Bernie
1: gifted that to me when we, oh, and we started
2: it's the It's so good.
1: <laughs> it's
2: so good, isn't it? Yeah, it's I, love so it. Good. I love it. I love it. Um, it's so good. One of my ideas for this year is um, bike shorts in honor of Diana. She has that, obviously, last year that that Virgin Atlantic sweatshirt was on the gift guide, but she paired it with coral bike shorts, which I think is kind of fun. And I found a great pair on Amazon that I was going to put. That's I'm not so... sure I'm brave enough to rock them myself, but
1: you know, maybe. <laughs> no, well, you. Have the California weather too, so I feel like you can wear them potentially year-round. Exactly. Yes. Yeah,
2: we're lucky out here.
1: No, but it is funny because I do feel like Royals, you know, tend to filter into every aspect. My husband, husband, gets overwhelmed. He's like, "We're always somehow. I'm always
0: connecting things to the Royals." You talking about that (laughs) makes me laugh.
2: I appreciate it. I appreciate it.
0: Roberta, what's on the top of your wish Okay, I'll go. So I feel like um, this is so out of my price range and it's such a reach, but I would love the Grace Hahn love letter bag that Kate carried recently. It's like, I mean, it's insanely expensive, but it is so beautiful and it's so elegant. And I feel like, you know, she spotlighted a female entrepreneur and designer who lives in London, who immigrated. So I feel like that's just a really, and the bag is just beautiful. I would love to be able to have it and carry it to places that I can't really go right now.
2: So <laughs> I was gonna say remember
0: purses. I missed that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah>. Mine haven't <laughs> that seen the light of day. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rachel, what about you? Do you so a- I'm
1: actually I'm, i mean, obviously I want like all the royal things, but I'm actually I spend a lot of time just to relax. I look at Amelia Noy's site, which I I saw she yes. just SMT'd your cover. Or not yes. SMT'd, I'm sorry, she just illustrated your cover and she yes. is a designer and illustrator. We've mentioned her before, but if you don't follow her on her on Instagram, you absolutely should. And she is just so talented. And um, I would love pretty much anything on her site, but the note cards. I think one of my 2021 goals is to get into more letter writing. I feel like it's a lost Mm -hmm. art form. And I feel like I want to get away from email and do more of that. So I feel like that's kind of my my, what I'd like that's royal this year. She does Anything such beautiful
2: work. She really does. So I because I was like, would you, you know, I want to place an order for a custom drawing. Would you draw my book cover? And she was so thoughtful about it and wanted to add flowers and took inspiration from each of the women's wedding bouquets. And it was just lovely. I highly recommend She's so with her. She's yeah. yeah. so talented. It's incredible.
1: Smart. Well, this week in royal history.
0: And now, this week in royal history.
1: We are... Looking back, I can't believe about the birth of Prince Charles on November 14th, 1948. So happy almost birthday, Prince Charles. It's hard to believe. It's like, what a week of royal news and everything (laughs) going on. celebration. But Charles Philip Arthur George, a name that Diana famously transposed at their wedding, was born to a 22-year-old Princess Elizabeth on November 14th, 1948. His birth was announced via a late night BBC news bulletin, which we're going to play a quick clip from. It has just been announced from Buckingham Palace that Her Royal Highness, the Princess Elizabeth, Duchess of Edinburgh, was safely delivered of a prince at 9.14 p.m., and that Her Royal Highness and her son are both doing well. Listeners will wish us to offer their loyal congratulations to Princess Elizabeth and the royal family on this happy occasion. So I have to recommend to our listeners making sure that you check out the video clips on YouTube as well, because the... Cheer jubilation in the streets when Charles's birth was announced. There's so much black and white footage of that time and it's it's actually, it's just, all of this just lifts your spirits during this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Prince of Wales arrived via C-section in a, in a delivery that took place in the music room at Buckingham Palace, which was converted into a mini hospital for the occasion. Queen Elizabeth was in labor for 30 hours with Charles and Prince Philip played squash with his private secretary during the time, which isn't a dig because that's obviously very customary and men were not Very weren't present for births at that time. It wasn't a thing. Um, but when, when Philip got the good word, he ran upstairs to meet his son and remarked that he looked like a plum pudding while gifting his <laughs> wife red roses and carnations. <laughs> so crazy and I sweet mean. to think back, you know. It was a big deal. Yeah, I,
2: the, that, um, the wording that was safely delivered of is just yeah. such a classic royal hallmark, hallmark to announce a baby. And then to think about, you know, Queen Elizabeth is not a big person. And so I can imagine her in labor, her tiny little self, trying to have that baby and then ending up with a C-section at Buckingham Palace. I mean, that's kind of wild to me. <laughs> I did the not know he was delivered
0: at Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Oh, my gosh. And
1: at the time, he was second in line to the throne. And, you know, it was, he was four years old when Princess Elizabeth was named to be the queen. And I think one of my, the delightful parts of researching this, because I always try to find the original birth announcements for these, you know, way back when in the New York Times or publications like that. But what was fascinating to me is what came up first is all the year over year celebrations of Prince Charles, like at when he was four, there was, you know, he hosted a party on his fourth birthday. And apparently he <laughs> had a dozen friends over for tea at Buckingham Palace. And he peeked out the window and delighted everyone by just, you know, and it, it just I feel like it's so reminiscent of what we get such a joy over right now. Uh, you know, when we see those like little curtains part back and you know, he also I guess went uh, when he turned 13, he was at a boarding school that only permitted birthday celebrations on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And since his birthday fell on a Tuesday, he had to wait to celebrate the next day. wasn't allowed to like <laughs> was not allowed. In the so air. he celebrated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. it's so interesting. Even the future king, wow, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's proof that the world has always been, you know, royal babies are such a joyous joyous occasion. The I portraits. do wonder how he'll celebrate during the UK's second lockdown, though. I feel like it's a. You know, I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll do some Zoom sessions or things like that.
2: I feel like everybody will have one birthday in lockdown or you know in, yeah, in coronavirus, right. right? And so this will be his. <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: I know it's going on
0: forever and ever. It feels like, but hopefully optimism for next year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, a few Zoom calls, I'm sure, are on the agenda. Yeah all right well we'll get to the news this week elizabeth we feel like this is the perfect episode for you to join us if, you know because we're talking about prince charles and british vogue and i feel like this is so exciting this interview was so fun so we're going to play a quick clip from his interview
2: i've always admired the way you dress so tell me about your sense of style where does it come from
1: i thought i was like a stopped clock i'm i'm <laughs> right <laughs> twice every 24 hours anyway People then come around after 25 years to dressing like I do, but no, I mean, I'm, I, I'm very glad you think it has style. I, I just
0: very much so.: uh,
1: Try to I mind, to a certain degree, I mind about detail and color and things like that, and color combinations. And I'm lucky because I can find marvelous people who are brilliant uh, you, know, makers of, of the things that I appreciate. And um, because of that, I tried to keep them going for longer.
0: So that was just a snippet from last week when the Prince of Wales sat down with British Vogue editor in chief Edward Enninful for its December issue. It was delightful. Elizabeth, did you watch? What did you think? I did. And I think these moments are so
2: humanizing for him to hear him sort of poke fun at himself and talk about his commitment to sustainability, which I think, you know, fashion followers are sort of aware of. But um, then on their Instagram account, they followed up by by showing these examples of the times he had worn the same suit, you know, from in the 80s, the 90s and today. And I think that's really commendable.
0: Yeah, I think it was the suit from the Sussex's wedding. Is that Correct. I'm pretty sure it was this. There was a suit that was mentioned in that interview that was uh, the one he wore to Meghan and Harry's wedding. It was from 1984. So he's reworn it. The past? What is that? 36? I can't do math right now. It's like absolutely wild. 36 years. Yeah. So, um, but the main reason for this chat was a little PR for the launching of the Modern Artisan Collection, which connects students in Scotland with Italian design students from Milan. So this is a capsule collection. It's officially called the it's a mouthful. So wait for it. Ux net a for the Prince's Foundation collection. <laughs> this rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who was uh, in charge of the name there, but they might have, they could have made it a little easier on us, but I guess it's fine. Um, but it'll be available to buy across net sites on November 12th, which is the day this episode airs. And in true circular fashion, sales will go back to fund the Prince's Foundation. So what I'm thinking now with You know, this conversation with Prince Charles and this capsule collection, will we have more of a spotlight on royal men's fashion? Because we haven't traditionally talked that much about royal, you know, the royal family men as much.
2: You know, I hope so, because you can clearly tell that Charles has an interest in all of this. And you can tell by looking at him that he dresses very carefully and thoughtfully. And I'm sure he's learned that from his mother. You know, I mean, he's been in training, right, to ascend (laughs) for a long (laughs) long time (laughs) time now. And she uses clothes so thoughtfully and so purposefully um, that I have to believe that he learned a lot of that from her. And I think, again, this is a way, clothes are an introduction and a a reason to sort of pay attention to what the royal family is doing and a reason to like learn a little bit more. I think they see this as sort of a um, a chance to open the door and talk about things like we're talking about, you know, this foundation of his. And I think um, there's real power in that.
1: Absolutely. I also feel like it's really such I mean, I think hearing Charles talk about these different initiatives and things like that. It really always is so eye-opening how ahead of his time he is. I mean, he's been pushing this for a really long time. I know this is, you know, a, a special spotlight on it, but he's always had such a commitment to sustainability and protecting the planet and all of that. And it, I think hearing it all come together in such a beautiful package and seeing those photos of him in the gardens, it's just, I, I don't know. I'm always really inspired by, by what I hear from, from him more and more. I really like all the things he's sort of stands behind and it's meaningful to me.
2: Well, and Definitely. what a, what a good message to send, right? Because this is the frugal side of the royal family. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of the royal family and you think you know, fanciness <laughs> abounds. Yeah, and surely it does. You know, I mean, these these are very wealthy people um, in a centuries-old institution. But there is something exceedingly charming, I think, about a man who is going to be king. You know, having his shoes uh, redone over and over so he can continue to wear the same pair instead of mm-hmm. buying a new one. I think um, that does a lot for their sort of personal PR.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It makes me feel a touch royal when I. What am I, Brooklyn cobbler? (laughs) I'm a huge fan of the cobbler. (laughs) I love getting my shoes repurposed or like (laughs) fixed up, new, resold. And so I feel like now I'll be like, I feel royal. I was was actually
0: so, yeah, he said as a little kid, he used to go to the cobbler with his mom. So I thought that was so enlightening. He's, he, he revealed in this chat that his mantra is buy once, buy well. So I think that that's kind of, you know, goes against a lot of what we hear, at least in the British tabloids about how expensive their wardrobes are, how much they spend on clothing. And so I think that that's, um, it's really admirable what he's doing. And he also talked about, he convinced applicants of the Royal Warrant to adhere to more sustainable practices. And that a lot of them, you know, some of them we we know um, as Americans, like Hunter Rain Boots, and I think Barber holds a Royal Warrant. But, you know, some of the other ones, they were really, kind of against these strict eco-friendly practices that he wanted them to take up and he ended up convincing them and they said it's made our business even better. So I thought that was really kind of a wonderful And that they insight. saved money too by doing it, yeah. which was
1: great. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Um, but yeah, the images you mentioned, Rachel. So I love this tidbit because it's so fascinating. I feel like just to see inside the inner workings of how all this stuff works. So when uh, the Vogue UK fashion director, Kate Phelan, visited Highgrove House, she said that they got sent a specified dress code to go there. And so the dress code for her was a summer dress or a skirt suit. And the photographer, which was Nick Knight, was told to wear country casuals. So who sent that (laughs) dress code, code, though? That was my question is, did did
1: the Vogue editor set the dress code? Like just kind of being professional or was it the the palace? No,
2: No, I think it's, it's, it sounds,
0: okay. I wasn't sure where it came from. Okay. From Highgrove House. Yeah, so when they said, yes, we'll do this interview and the photos and everything, because it was, I think it was just for the photos is why she went there. But she said, yeah, they, they adhered to the specified dress code. She wore a a Simone Rocha number, but I thought that was so fascinating to hear they got sent a dress code ahead of time. But isn't
2: that sort of a relief, though? You know, I mean, if you're yeah, thinking like you're yeah, going to see easier. the prince, you're like, what do I wear? And it's like, okay, here's the guidelines. <laughs> <You
0: know>? Country <laughs> yeah. casual. But it's so telling country casual. They'd be like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, that one's a little harder,
2: <laughs> especially for a dude.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I also liked their, they mentioned that it's a signature detail of Charles to tuck his tie into his pants. That's what they said, like a little bit. Nice. So it's, and then the, I loved that the all the clothes he wears, more clearly so much thought behind it picked up notes of the flowers you know I, yes. I wonder the thinking behind you know I'm sure there was so much thought that went into what he was the what he was choosing so, the gardens
0: yeah and everything I'm well sure. my goodness
2: Vogue I'm sure again was like yeah. where are you know scouting locations and mm-hmm. I'm sure the palace directed a bunch of this but to To put all that together, I mean, the image is so striking, right? And that doesn't just happen, right? There's a lot of thought. Although the photographer,
1: I can't believe he had 15 minutes, but we all know that that's how it goes, right? It's like the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) You have as much time to like scout and look around, but then it's like, what, you know, such a short time. Although it sounded like Charles was completely lovely and chatted beyond that and stuff like that. It's like a loose guideline of time, but frame worthy photos for sure. Totally. Well, so moving on, the Remembrance Day ceremonies from the weekend. A lot to kind of unpack here. But um, as we know, Remembrance Day takes place every year on November 11th in the UK. The moment of silence takes place at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of the month in the 11th month, which I love the sort of um, consistency there. And it marks the day that World War One ended in 1918. Um the, despite the pandemic royals and prime ministers past and present which I thought was really cool were out to mark a somber and crowdless remembrance Sunday this past weekend at the Cenotaph Cenotaph I'm probably
0: saying Cenotaph that wrong.
1: Cenotaph yeah. at London's Whitehall. So I wanted to kind of because I feel like there was a lot that took place I thought I'd break it down into some quick bullets of what the bigger sort of things that happened. So what we observed, a very socially distanced two-minute moment of silence with Queen Elizabeth and a lady-in-waiting on one balcony, Kate and Camilla on another balcony to the left, and Sophie and Princess Anne's husband, Sir Timothy Lawrence, to her right. Then you had below them, you had Prince Charles, Prince William, Princess Anne, and Prince Edward. Charles laid two wreaths, the first on behalf of the Queen, a duty that he's actually carried out for three years. This wasn't because of COVID or anything. He's been doing it for a little bit. Then a wreath for himself, and then the rest of the family followed with laying out the wreaths. Noticeably absent was Harry and Meghan. Um, they participated in their own LA-based ceremony, but also Prince Philip, who, although a, a, although a wreath was laid on his behalf, Prince Andrew was obviously not included. And then finally, a few days prior, this is like the biggest news of all, we saw the Queen's first ever mask moment. I feel like we need like a moment of silence just for that. Um, as she laid her flowers, uh, a replica of her wedding arrangement, which was a nice personal detail on the grave of the unknown warrior at Westminster Abbey. So Elizabeth, I feel like we need a like live SMT, but that's so much pressure.
2: <laughs> there, I, I have to say that picture was so striking and I was so relieved, so right? Because she so had- So relieved. Made that first appearance in that pink coat and not worn a mask. And there was so much chatter around that and what, you know, what that meant. And especially with the situation with COVID in, in Britain right now and how they are going into a second lockdown, I just think it was really, it was really important that she have a, a mask moment and, um, gosh, it was just so striking. Again, um, the black mask that she wore was, was unadorned except for that white trim around it. And I feel like that, um, softened it a little bit. You know what I mean? Sometimes, um, all black masks can feel a little severe and there was something that made it sort of also jump out on her and she's so little and so, um, so familiar. I think seeing her in a mask was just a really powerful moment.
1: And I read that Angela Kelly whipped that up for her. It oh, was I'm in, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, which yeah. was really cool, you know, just kind of making it. But I agree. The piping on it was just, it did kind of lighten it up and brighten it just felt so cohesive, the yes. overall look. Yeah, I think
2: with her hat, if it would have, it could have, like, the, the hat and the mask combined, if it was just all black, it would have, like, yeah. sort of shrunken her face a little bit, but there, the white just added a nice little pop.
1: Yeah, but from a leadership perspective, it just is such a good example. We were I was so thrilled. Roberta sent me a text like late. I think it's Friday night. We were watching like Joe Biden's speech. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um <laughs> but then I you know, Kate's look is getting a lot I'm I'm still I think that the definitive look answer is that it was a Katherine Walker coat based on the seam. But um there people are going back and forth that it could be Alexander McQueen but people are saying that what I've read from different style blogs, uh what Kate wore, things like that. It's Catherine Walker. I
2: appreciate that there is not clarity on this because I think yeah. in these moments to, for a brand to come out and claim it is a little much. Um yeah. I mean, sometimes these are just clothes to be worn in service of the occasion, not, mm-hmm. you know, to cause a stampede around a brand kind of thing. And yeah. both Catherine Walker yeah. and Alexander McQueen are two of Kate's, you know, go-tos at all times. And I thought, My goodness, what a striking, what a striking coat she had on the balcony there.
1: Yeah, I liked the fringe on the the shoulders. It was really, really striking. These outfits I always
2: think a lot about because, I mean, there wasn't a crowd this year, but outfits that have to both look good from far away to the crowd and up close to these long lenses of the photographers, that's like a really tall order. And so those shoulders, what I the shoulders, what I really loved about them is you could they 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 helped with her silhouette from far away. I mean, you could see her sort of in her perfect posture standing there, so straight. But then, up closer, you realize it's like tasselled. It was just it was a it was a lovely touch.
1: Yeah, I I thought it was great. And then William in the Royal Air Force officer uniform, he looked. I mean, everyone looked so pulled together. It was just nice to see everyone. I feel like we've been so deprived of those big family moments this year, of all of them and together, even though, but again, it was like they respected, there was social distancing and the masks. I was, they wore masks in the car. Did you see Kate and Will? The
2: yes, the I car. saw that I was she was so relieved wore, too. Cause I mean, obviously in the balcony, they were far enough apart and they were outside yes. and stuff like that. But to see, like always, I mean... Just seeing them, these public figures in mass, I think sends such a message to the rest of the people watching. And it's so, so important.
1: Yeah. And it was a departure from her florals, but still Amaya. So that was kind of, that was cool. <laughs> She's chosen her mask brand, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Did, it, did you end up ordering Amaya masks? I feel re- like I read on your, that you were looking at oh, the so shipping tempted. far out. Wait, yes. right? <laughs> Listen, so I jump too. on the mask
2: bandwagon. And Me immediately too. When Megan wore that royal jelly mask, I couldn't order it fast enough. But there was something about the shipping of, <laughs> of it Kate's mask. It out. It makes it like a $40 mask. And I was like, I got I
1: yeah, it. Yeah, when over. it's more <laughs> expensive than the actual mask, yeah. it's a tough, tough uh, exactly. financial pill to swallow for sure. But yeah, so about Harry and Meghan, they laid a wreath and flowers from their own Santa Barbara gardens at the graves of two Commonwealth soldiers in L.A. But Harry's request to lay a wreath during the U.K. ceremonies was denied. So how do we all feel about that?
0: I, I feel like so sad that this was even like Especially because the queen wasn't informed, I guess, is what we're hearing. So the queen was never told. So it was just a palace courtier that decided this. And I feel like for him, who is the only royal to have served on the front lines of combat, I think that that's just the worst way to go about this. Like when we're thinking about the meaning of all this ceremony and what, you know, why they are doing all of this for Remembrance Day and for veterans. And I think that that just, it made me so sad. What do you guys think? You know, I... I have so many questions about this because it's like, how do we know, (laughs) you know, about this request
2: and who leaked it and why they would leak it? And did the queen know or not? And most importantly, what's the precedence here? You know, I mean, I read um, some conversation on Twitter, I think it was about, you know, who gets to lay a wreath in abstentia. you know, I mean, who who in in the rank and, and would it have even been possible for Harry to do that. So I hate that people are rushing to judgment at a time when there's just a lot of questions about how this would proceed. And then I was also really disappointed at some of the response to the photographs that they shared Mm
1: -hmm.
2: of, you know, what they did where they, you know, I I believe took flowers from their garden um, and laid them at some, um, at the graves of some British soldiers in Los
1: Angeles. Is that right?
0: Yes. Yes. I think one was Australian and maybe one was British, I'm not yeah, sure, but definitely Commonwealth. Commonwealth, yeah, yeah, countries. And yeah. the flowers were from their Santa Barbara home, yeah, yeah, which were beautiful. The little bouquets were cute,
2: you know. And a couple of people I saw were questioning why they would bring a photographer. It was a, if it was a private thing, and I think it's really important to just remember that this is what the royal family does. They make appearances that are photographed. Those photographs go around the world. That's how they get press coverage. That's how we know what they're doing. This did not feel out of the ordinary to me or in any way disrespectful. And I was really disappointed, especially because of what you said. You know, Harry served on the front lines. You know, I mean, he
0: um,
2: this is a very important day to him. And for him to choose to honor it in this way, I think we should all respect that. Also, he has lived his whole life in the public eye. And at every awful moment has had cameras in his face. You know, I don't think it's fair at all for us to say, you know, what is appropriate or what is not for him specifically. And I thought those pictures were beautiful. I loved that they did that. You know, I think, um, you know, his military past is obviously a big part of his life and his legacy. And I was really touched that they found a way to celebrate it in COVID times in Los Angeles. Not celebrate, sorry, Mark. But you know what I mean.
0: It's so frustrating because we know that if nothing had, you know, appeared online of pictures of them or a statement from them, he would be like, oh, he's forgotten his, you know, royal upbringing or his past or all of this. It's like, oh, they can't win. No. It seems like they really can't.
2: And I feel like people, you know, say, well, he he's not a member of the royal family anymore. Wrong. He is. It's a family. <laughs> you don't get, you know, yeah. he's yeah. still very much a member. <laughs> and he's still also, you know, regardless of his sort of military status within the family, his service is with him forever. And I just, I, I it made me so sad that Social media took this moment to that place. I
1: know. I they know. take a lot of moments to that place. Yeah, it's they very do. overwhelming. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: like that's really true. disheartening. A lot of times you have to look away. But yeah, I agree. I thought it was really tasteful and meaningful. And again, about Remembrance Day. You know, I think that that's, you're right. That's what they do. I um, mean, and Harry also participated in Declassified, the podcast over the weekend, saying that he continues the poppy tradition for, quote, the soldiers I knew as well as those I didn't, the soldiers who were by my side in Afghanistan, those who had their lives changed forever, and those that didn't come home. So, I mean, it's it's such a meaningful time for him. And and I think that it was nice to see them find a way to honor it in their own way where they live. Also, think about what
2: Harry means to the military community, how, you know, his service and what that represents to them. And from, I saw a couple again on Twitter, I think it was a couple of people chime in and say how moved they were by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the opinion that that should matter. You know, I mean, this is yes. who's that, that is who this is for. So, Everybody, absolutely. (laughs) take a deep breath.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, no, no. Um, It is worth mentioning, though, I think just because COVID this whole year has been such a blur in terms of time, like what is time anymore? But uh, (laughs) Remembrance Day was one of the last times that the royals really were pictured all together in 2019 before Harry and Meghan left for Canada. And I thought just thinking about that timeline, just kind of, I don't know, I guess I just... It anchored me somehow in this, you know, all that's transpired, where we are and what's ahead. And I think COVID has just been this like great divider physically, but unintentionally. You know, I think that there would have been a lot more kind of getting together that we just, we just don't get to see because of the pandemic. So just yeah, and kind a lot more about sort that. of
2: public healing. I think that would have taken place yeah. I mean, if we would have been able to see them all on the balcony for Trooping the Colour. You right. know, what I mean, or, over the summer or you know moments like that where they are together and you're like, okay, you know, I see this as a single unit kind of thing. Um, Yeah, I agree that COVID has sort of exacerbated a lot it of really this. Has. Yeah,
0: yeah, publicly for sure, definitely, and the fact that it's been an entire year since that last Remember it. I just feel like that time has been so weird and such a roller coaster for all of us. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, Elizabeth. We would love to ask you now a few questions about HRH. So many thoughts on Royal Style. I'm going to hold it up again because it's so pretty. Yes, I'll hold my copy <laughs> there she yes. Is. Even though I'm so sad that I got yes, the hue off. But oh, no. Here-
1: gosh. Ooh. No. It's a spectrum. It really is. I have to tell you that we were, I have this advanced reading copy for our interview, but I I pre-ordered it as well. So I should, oh. I'm, I'm also excited to get it in the mail this week. Oh, I really you. can't wait. I did also.
0: I needed a signed copy. There you <laughs> I was like, I need a signed copy. Um, All right, well, like we said, this is quite a royal week between your book and the Crown premiere. How would you describe what listeners can expect from HRH? Well, so... um I don't want to assume that anyone
2: is familiar with what I do on Instagram so quickly. So Many Thoughts, which is what we call SMT for short, um, on Instagram is where I comment on the fashion of Kate and Meghan. And what I try to do is use my decade of reporting in the style space to sort of draw conclusions about what they're wearing, what they're they're trying to say with their clothing. Because I think royal women are very singular in this, in that they dress to send a message. They don't give big interviews. They don't give revealing personal speeches. What they do is make appearances and are photographed <laughs> and those photographs go around the world in seconds what they're wearing gets identified immediately i mean there's so many talented style bloggers out there that can identify a brand and you know offer up a link and we can have a big conversation i think about the attention around their clothing and if it's fair and you know why we talk so much about what women wear versus what men but the fact of the matter is that attention is there they know it and they use it they they pick their clothes very carefully so that it sort of builds in alongside their work right you know i mean megan often wears female founded brands she wears sustainable brands um it it sort of makes sense in all of her charitable work what she's wearing kate too you know i mean i think this is um something they both learned from the queen and diana um which is why when i was uh sort of looking to do a book that was based on SMT, I wanted to take it and um, go one step further. So HRH talks about Kate and Meghan, um, but then it also includes the Queen and Diana. And I think these two women and their, at times, opposing (laughs) approaches to royal fashion, uh, the Queen and Diana sort of set the stage for the royal fashion that we watch today.
1: It's so true. And what is it like doing a virtual book tour? I feel like that was something we wanted to ask you about, because it is such a, you know, it's, it's a different year. It's weird to have to, you know, pivot in this way, but it seems like you're doing it so successfully. It is
2: very different. Cause so this book um, came out of, um, I had a, a live event in New York. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it was in <laughs> April 20, April or May, 2019. Um, and I got a bunch of people together. <laughs> that
1: was cup of Joe with Joanna. Yes, got yeah, it, right? yeah. A cup I of attended. Jo- I was oh, wearing you? lucky few <laughs> in the lovely. audience. It was. It sold posed out so with fast. The cardboard cutouts. Yes. I was so thrilled <laughs> to be there.
0: It was so
2: fun, and it was this way to get you know all these really enthusiastic women and a few men together to talk about royal fashion, and it was just thrilling. And after that, I was um, I sold the book, and we sold the book, hoping to do a big tour of those to go sort of around the country and gather women together to talk about the power fashion and royal style and so when COVID hit i thought gosh you know is this gonna keep happening you know in the fall when my book comes out and here we are and clearly it is but what i do think is really special is that there is a chance to gather together remotely and obviously smt was founded on my instagram account it's very much a virtual thing and people um in my audience are sort of spread all over the country and the globe. And I think celebrating this book virtually is really fitting because um, it's sort of, we can all come together and and talk about something fun <laughs> and meaningful uh, and, you know, do so from the comfort of our own homes.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like it kind of opens up these, uh, a lot of opportunities too, that you might not have had because you can just, you know, all you have to do is open your laptop too in a lot of ways to, to have a conversation. There's
0: not a lot going on on a Tuesday <laughs> night. Yeah, <so. laughs> That's true. Well, and it's not, just how many people you can fit into a bookshop, you know, yeah. it's, it can be as big as you want, which is really wonderful because you have such an <laughs> a, a, uh, enthusiastic following. Well, so we want to go back to when you did your very first SMT, which I believe was the Cambridge... Christmas yes. photo is that right yes. your very first one so did you ever imagine this is where that would lead and how challenging was it to turn your Instagram brand into a book oh gosh I mean where to even start
2: <laughs> two big questions <laughs> yeah. to SMT really indeed honest. so I um I did my first SMT in December 2017 and I wish I could say it was like a very strategic or planned thing it was not um I had been on staff at the Wall Street Journal for a decade I left that job earlier that year and I moved from New York to California I was starting um a freelance career. And I was out there kind of hustling, you know, after being on staff at a, at a paper and having a salary job, suddenly I was writing by the word and, you know, it was um, a new experience for me. And then in the middle of all that, I had my second son and I was trying to take some attorney leave, but I was feeling very much like I missed, uh, you know, my New York based sort of community of really smart and savvy women. And um, a lot of the fashion reporters I had become good friends with. And listen, I've always been interested in the Royals. I mean, not always, but I, um, since 2011, I've kept tabs on them since Kate and Will's wedding. And I saw Kate and Will's holiday portrait. It was by Chris Jackson. It popped up in my Instagram feed. And I literally, I just thought, I have so many thoughts about this. And so I screenshotted it. I wrote so many thoughts across the bottom. I posted it. And then I reposted it um, with my thoughts sort of sprinkled in little text bubbles. And looking back, I'm sort of mortified because there's nothing sort of insightful. It was more, you know, sort of like <laughs> going for laughs, but I was energized. Entertaining oh. myself as I was breastfeeding my son, um, and I posted it. And I just got this incredible response. And I was thrilled to find other women, and again, a few men, uh, who wanted to talk about royal fashion because I would say I have some wonderful uh, women in my life um, and some very good friends, but I don't know that anybody in my friend circle shares my royal obsession (laughs) to the degree, (laughs) I guess, that I do. And I was like, oh gosh, I found my people. They're here on Instagram. And so I posted it again, um, or I I did it again when Meghan and Harry released their engagement portraits a couple days later and I got the same response. And I realized that I had just found these people you know, that that wanted to talk about royal fashion and wanted to talk about the royal family. And um, what I could add to that conversation and what I learned as I sort of kept doing it and building through the royal wedding in 2018. And then really, it, I sort of think it took me a whole year to hit my stride. Um, the tour, the Sussex's tour in the fall of 2018. Um, I found that I was able as a style reporter and especially somebody who had been on stuff at the Wall Street Journal and studied sort of the business of fashion and branding and messaging and clothing and how they sell you on things. Um, I could I could sort of like connect the dots for people. You know, I mean, I could say like, oh, look, Megan is wearing this, you know, beautiful blue cape dress in Fiji. Well, it's you know, it's the shade of the Fijian flag, Fijian blue <laughs> and 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 make those um sort of make those connections for people and help people understand what they were trying to do with their clothing. And then also celebrate, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of gushing that goes on in SMT. <laughs> um, but then taking it into a book, um, I mean, you guys have seen the book, and I'm so excited for it to come out. It's not SMT the book, right? I think a lot of people have asked me that question, like, is it just pages and pages of, you know, pictures with text bubbles? And the answer is no. I don't know yeah. that anyone wants that on their coffee table. <laughs> you know. Um, but it is, it's sort of this hybrid of like a regular book that you would sit down and read and then tons of pictures, hundreds and hundreds of pictures of each of them that I hope even if you just flip through, you kind of see their sort of sartorial progressions and how each of these women you know, uses her clothing. Uh there's one section devoted to each, so they each have sort of their standalone stories, but I did try and weave in connections where I saw um and I think that's some of the most delightful things, you know, where I feel like the Queen and Kate sort of are tied and Diana and Megan. Um I hope it's a really um delightful reading experience.
0: Well, it definitely ab- yeah, absolutely was. That's a very yeah, I love answer. the organization. <laughs> no, it was really I really love hearing it.
1: And I feel like it is the way you organized it is really um I feel like it's it's an easy progression through it. And I feel like it's, it, I read it very quickly and really enjoyed um, sort of the evolution going from the Queen um, through Kate and Meghan. Something that I wanted to ask you about is that, you know, we've really seen the Royals so much more than I kind of ever expected we would during this time. I feel like Zoom has been this like entry point into their world. And, you know, even back in March, it kind of felt like they were Zooming every other day. How challenging is it for you to keep up with SMTs in real time? And how do you choose what you SMT when they're popping up? In so many different formats and occasions.
2: Yeah, so I was on a, I was on a pretty good role there for a while. SMT, close to real time. You know, what I mean, I, mm-hmm. it, it took a lot. You I'm, really were. I you mean, were I really. Like, I, I just sort of. <laughs> It was a lot, and I have three small children. And um, when the book came into my life, I I kind of like I don't know what happened. I tried, um, and then I just fell behind a little bit. Um, and then when COVID hit, and I lost my childcare too, that was a really sort of special moment. It's awful, and yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Um, so I kind of made a rule early on that um, I wouldn't weigh in on zoom calls because i feel like you don't see quite enough of the outfit i did Mm -hmm. a couple times just because i think um they still put very much you know kate and megan still are thinking about what they're wearing and i admire that and so whenever it's very obvious to me or exciting to me i want to call it out because i think it's a way of honoring them you know i mean none of this is about sort of dissecting or critiquing or picking them apart it's about you know honoring the effort that they put into this you know i mean there is a lot of work a lot of just logistics that go into a royal wardrobe and I think it's a really special thing. And so when I do call it out, I I hope that um, it's a way of recognizing that effort. Um, I've been thrilled, though, that we've seen a couple, you know, I mean, Kate is getting some more sort of head to toe looks or or certainly before um, they went back into lockdown there. But it's I think the the real power is in those professional photographs, not necessarily sort of a pixelated (laughs) zoom screen. Um, But I do admire how active they are keeping. And it's a reminder that their job is to appear. That, that is their job, to make appearances. And so I, I commend them for finding ways to appear even remotely, you know, like the rest of us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have a favorite Royal to SMT or it really is the occasion It like the photo probably strikes you in a particular way?
2: It really does. And I think um, if I had to choose a favorite from the book, it would definitely be Diana. And I hope that people... Um, I hope people sort of delight in the ways in which she delighted in fashion. So I am, I'm not young, but I'm just young enough that I didn't follow her in real time. I was still quite young when she married into the Royal family and learning about her fashion and sort of her very distinct phases and the ways in which she used it and found power in it. um, It was this real light bulb moment for me because, you know, the queen, there was always going to be chatter around Royal fashion, right? It's exciting and it's beautiful, but what, what, Diana did was sort of infuse the fashion element into it and make it you know something that was emotional too and I think she just sort of primed us all for caring about royal fashion in a new way and a new sort of hunger for it and so it makes so much more sense now that when Kate hit the scene like immediately people were like oh what's she wearing and can I buy it and because you could with Kate because she was wearing so much off the rack stuff suddenly there was just you know this whole economic power around it and it's just grown and grown since then and so Diana I mean I think we all have to credit Diana (laughs) for what she did (laughs) to
0: royal fashion forever for sure absolutely well Rachel, one of your favorite parts of the book was learning something new about Diana. Well, too. yeah, I was
1: gonna say so something I've talked at great length about on the podcast and I recently treated myself to is the rowing blazers sheep sweater. But I really I yes. loved so I spent election night. I turned off the the results and I read your book and it was the ultimate Oh my gosh. I like I escaped, I felt lighter, I felt so happy and I discovered <laughs> <laughs> that um I did not know that she had two versions of this sheep sweater. That that was yes. fascinating. And then I was, you know, looking closely to see the sheep the black sheep turned a different direction, so I'd love yeah. to hear more from you on that. I was, I thought that was a great, great little detail.
2: That was a big moment for me too, because I didn't, I hadn't read that anywhere. I did a bunch of research for this book. I had um, a team of researchers to help me to start, and you know, obviously that black sheep sweater that she wore is just such an iconic piece from her wardrobe. It's a red sweater with white sheep and one single black one. And you think, gosh, why did she wear that? You know, like what was that? And I actually happened to talk to her. I interviewed for the book her. Um, Um, uh, former private secretary. And he, I mean, he just reminded me over and over that there was always a message with Diana. She knew exactly what she was doing. Um, The first time she wore it, she wore it when she was engaged to Charles. And, you know, you sort of see her and she looks still a little frumpy. You know, I mean, (laughs) she wasn't like a fashion icon to start, uh, certainly not before the wedding, but there was so much attention on her. And then she wore it again a couple years later again, to a polo match of his. And she looks so much more glam. You know what I mean? she <laughs>
0: she's a different person. Like a total, yeah, yeah a total
2: transformation. And I was yeah. looking at the pictures, and I was thinking, like, gosh, you know, this moment that she wore it again, when she clearly, at the second time, knew what it was saying and what it would say to people and how sort of cheeky that was. And then I was looking at it, I was like, wait a minute. Are there – is that is that she facing a different way? You know, when you look at enough of these pictures, and you're like, is that – did she have a second sweater? And I – I you know, it's it's hard to say for certain, but it certainly looks like it to me that she would have a second sweater and she had clearly lost a bunch of weight in between. And, you know, you look at it and you think, gosh, if she went out of her way to get a second sweater knowing the attention that the first one got and that she wore it again and the way that she that um that bow at her neck the tails you know they fall down her chest and they lead right to that black sheep you know it's just like she knew what she was doing she definitely did did. yeah but that
1: was i mean i felt like i was that was the real reading that moment I, i mean there's so many of those were there any other sort of surprising finds in the book that made you kind of have that same reaction
2: you know, I had known that she had auctioned off her clothes um, later in her life. I didn't realize how close it was to her death. So she, during her divorce proceedings in the late, in the mid to late nineties, she, you know, suddenly was fed up with, you know, her wardrobe. And it was, I think, logistically sort of unmanageable at that point. I mean, that's a lot of (laughs) gowns. And William is the one who I think suggested that she, you know, do an auction and raise some money for charity. And it took a whole year to kind of come together. And she auctioned off her clothes. And the reason she did it in America, she did it in New York versus um, in London, was supposedly Prince Charles was sort of like horrified at the idea of people walking around <laughs> in her old sort of cast uh, off clothing. Yeah. And plus that, um, you know, America held, had such a soft spot for her and when she was really loved. And I think, um, you know, when we look at Harry and Meghan and the sort of journey they've been on this year, it's really important to remember Diana was sort of on a similar journey. You know, what I mean, and we here in America, we enjoy the royal family without sort of the burden of our taxpayer money being invested in them and knowing that, you know, Diana was beloved here and she sort of sought that attention here. It just sort of, it sort of makes sense. You know, you see these ties and you're like, okay, yeah. So she auctioned off all those clothes and then, you know, very shortly thereafter passed away. And um, when she was auctioning them off, people were questioning, you know, what, if that was worthy and who was buying them and where they would wear them. And suddenly, right, they became these, you know, historic pieces. Mm -hmm. And I just think like, Gosh, what does that
0: say about your clothing? You know, such power in clothing, really, truly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I I know one of my favorite parts was actually – Learning that Megan Markle had talked about Rachel Zane's color palette on the show Suits and how she'd said like, you know, blushes and light pinks and that, you know, signal that Rachel Zane, her character on the show Suits, is in love. I had no idea because I, I remember that period after their wedding of her wearing all of these blush and p- light pink outfits in consecutive order, too, and consecutive appearances. And I thought that was so, so interesting. So I love that fun fact.
2: I remember watching watching that in real time and being like, oh, my gosh, like, what well, dress after dress after dress was like yeah. blush or neutral or tone. And then, I mean, that's the that's the sort of amazing thing about Megan and her approach to fashion is that she knew going in right away. You know what I mean? Like, I think for Kate and for Diana, there was sort of a ramp up period where they were sort of understanding how to use fashion. But because of Megan's accomplishments and because of her profession, you know, she worked with a costume designer on set. This is their job, you know, to tell stories through clothes. And so she sort of hit the ground running. And you look at those pink dresses now, or at least I do, in a totally new. Like, because it's like, here she was, the most famous newlywed on the planet, and she was showing how in love she was. (laughs) It's like, that's so, that's like like, warm
0: fuzzies. So sweet. It's such a fairy tale moment. Yeah. So I have to know have you gotten any feedback from anyone inside the palace? Has anyone said anything about the book that you're aware of? No. You know, I mean, I think the palace is a much different
2: approach to the media than perhaps uh, it did in the past. For, you know, from what I understand from royal reporters, you know, in the, um, you know, decades ago at this point, they would, you know, have conversations off the record or in background to sort of inform. And there's a much, um, much more closed door policy, I would say going forward. So, um, you know, uh, I was at a media luncheon and someone was like, did you interview Kate for this book? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I did not as much as I wish I had. Um, I am quite aware that there are people in my Instagram following who's who are sort of in the royal sphere. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would imagine that they are uh aware of the book Um, and, you know, in writing it, I wanted to make it sort of a very honest portrayal of their stories, especially um, with Diana and Megan and the struggles that they went through and the nastiness involved um, in their royal life. But I also, you know, at the at the core, I hope this is a celebration of these women and their fashion and for all of us, sort of, hopefully a little bit um, of inspiration, you know, for when we're getting dressed. I'm wearing, you know, light blue <laughs> for all my book events. And it's like, it's very fun. You know, I mean, it's like, I have a light blue book, I'm wearing light blue. It, it just adds another layer of meaning. And I think, you know, certainly not every time we leave the house, do we have to dress, um, you know, thoughtfully head to toe. But when you have a moment and you, you know, put a little thought into it, I think it's really special.
0: It feels Definitely. good. It feels very good. To yeah. 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 And I mean, I think this is a book that Even these royal women, if they picked it up, would love to read and and see those pictures of them. I think it's wonderful. One of the things I love that you talk about is Kate's kind of progression through style and finding her own kind of, you know, look and how... You know, she started out. I guess the older pictures of Kate are what surprised me most because we've seen such trendy styles from her. Um, do you think that that'll continue? You know, down this path now that she's kind of heading towards queen consort and the throne, whereas Meghan and Harry are in California and and separated from the royal family. Do you think that she'll kind of continue along the fashion fashionable route? I guess you could say. Well, so part of the
2: reason I wanted to have this book sort of structured as it, as it is with sections for each woman is because I hate people comparing Kate and Megan because they're very different women with very different relationships and fashion or to fashion and very different futures within the monarchy. I mean, even before Harry and Meghan made this um, big change, I think, you know, I mean, looking at Kate and the responsibilities that she has as the future queen consort, that's a huge, huge sort of pressure and expectation to live up to. And, um, you know, looking back at Kate, I started following the royal family when Kate um, got married and looking back at her fashion, you know, it wasn't particularly... It was exciting in its uh, in sort of a very approachable way, and I think that's what got me excited. You know, I mean, she was wearing dresses that anybody could wear. You know, I mean, she looked great in them, of course. Um, And and reading the coverage of you know that tour in 2011 of North America, where they um, sort of went all through Canada. Vogue was trying to make her wardrobe into something very exciting when, you know, it it wasn't from a fashion perspective. But I think there was real power in that relatability. She was a commoner, marrying into this family. That was a big deal. And, um, I'm very glad that she has sort of grown in her role and her fashion you know she seems to very much understand now that there is real power and in the attention that comes from something that looks fantastic that's very Diana of her and um, you know since she came back from her maternity leave with Louis in 2018 I think um, especially with Megan on the scene she sort of upped her game you know she's she's really fun to watch and you know she looks great in clothes you know she's um, she's beautiful. And I think, um, you can tell she's having a little bit of fun with it too. I mean, or I, or I sort of see it, I hope in her eyes. Um, and I think that's wonderful. A lot of people ask me, you know, why do you care so much about what they wear? I'm like, I care cause they care. This is a part of their job and yeah. they, um, they know it and they do it really well for Megan. I, I hope, you know, I mean, I'm so excited for when we can see post COVID <laughs> appearances, yeah. but I'm so thrilled at her sort of Southern California twist on all of this. You know, she's back in LA where she's from. I think she has a great understanding of, you know, how to um, still speak through her clothes. And people, you know, have said, are you going to continue to, you know, weigh in on her? And I'm absolutely, (laughs) I love her fashion. And I think what she does um, is really, really thoughtful. And, there is something really fun about having somebody without sort of the burden of, you know, becoming queen consort because she can play around a little bit. You know, her accessories, that hat that she wore in the interview with Gloria Steinem. I was going to say, the
1: Gloria <laughs> so Steinem moment, that video, we were just like, oh, like this feels oh, yes. good. So I was cool. like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like
2: Royals royal can look cool, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so I think, yeah, as I, I find the both of them on the scene um, to be what makes it so much fun to, to weigh in on.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Well, as as we wind down, we were just curious. Do you have a most popular or shared or engaged with SMT, a most popular event or look from the royals? For this year, for 2020, um, it's actually,
2: I would say, um, it's uh, Princess Beatrice's wedding oh. uh, was a really fun moment. I was um, in the thick of book edits. I mean, people, I'm not sure, I didn't understand before I did it, Um, books take forever and you go through round and round of revisions and I was sort of in the final stretch and I believe it was, the pictures were released on a Sunday and suddenly I was like, I have to stop everything, like I have to weigh in on this because she wore the Queen's tiara, the Queen's wedding tiara and then she wore that um, Norman Hartnell dress um, that she was able to sort of, and that symbolism there you know, the Queen's eldest granddaughter you know, wearing these pieces, these historic pieces and that those beautiful photographs that were released, I think everybody just went nuts. And that was like, like, in like the we middle all of when needed, we needed it. We all yeah. needed we that. Really yeah. needed <laughs> it. Yes, exactly. So that was a wonderful moment because again, it's like, those things don't happen on accident. The queen doesn't just be like, yeah, you can have a tiara, you know, that tiara <laughs> holds so much meaning and it will forever be princess Elizabeth's wedding tiara. And so to see it on, um, on the next generation of princesses.
1: I yeah. Think it's fascinating really. because I feel like even with that wedding, a lot of our row rows our Royal fans. And, um, even just guests that have come on the podcast have said that, that is officially their favorite wedding dress of the recent royal weddings we've seen. You know, I just think that was such a moment, and the florals around her, really such well, striking photographs. Yeah,
2: to be able, because like, so jewelry holds its own special significance in royal sphere, and it's the same pieces. You know, that's why when you see a tiara on Diana's head and you see a tiara on Kate's head, and it's the same tiara. You're like, wow, this is a family, and they're all connected. But for Beatrice to also be able to wear one of the Queen's dresses and to sort of, you know, that's a historical piece that she was able to kind of alter, which is kind of a huge deal. You know, I just. But that was just. Wonderful! It's like the How ultimate exciting.
0: like approval sta- stamp of yes. approval from the queen, which I thought was really, really wonderful. And
2: if you have to, yeah, if you have to get married in COVID, right? I mean, that's a really <laughs> fun touch to have. Well
0: done! You yeah, did exactly. A great job. Yeah, your dress better <laughs> yeah. hold a lot of meaning. Is yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, for our last question, we ask all our guests on royally obsessed Elizabeth, if you could identify with any royal, living or dead, who would it be and why? This is such a hard question, um,
2: <laughs> and I don't know if it's identify but I think again like coming back to Diana I think what she did and understanding and I think people will certainly see a dramatized version of that in The Crown coming up there is you know this is oh the gosh. Diana season but you like know, from the future so. for all of us <laughs> I mean it really well and it's very hard to watch it and not think about you know like what's happened um in recent years and and you know obviously it's fictionalized but you know it's sort of rooted in truth but Diana and what she did uh, to the monarchy and specifically to royal fashion. I think we have so much to thank her for. And um, I'm just in awe, I really am, because I think people too often paint clothing as frivolous. You know, it's something that even, you know, Charles tried to use against her, but there is real power in it, there really is. And she used it to speak when she couldn't. And I just, I really admire that.
0: It's a great answer. I definitely really like answer. <laughs> All right. Well, now we before we adjourn the Royal Pod, we are going to do our highs and lows, which we do every week. It's time for the Royal highs and lows. Elizabeth, do you have your high and low prepared? I hope you brought.
2: Hi. <laughs> well, my my low would definitely be all the chatter around, you know, Harry and Meghan and the criticism there. Yeah, because just seems so unnecessary. Can we just not? I just, it, I know. It, I, I, that really. Um, and then the high would probably, based on the news of the week, would probably be the queen in a mask. Yes. I, I have a lot of chatter in my DMs about mask wearing and the differences in countries and things like that. And it's just like, if we all wear it, we will be better. So, so I'm yeah. so thrilled that there is, for the history books, a picture of the queen in a mask. Because the other thing is, like these, these visuals that they craft, you know, the clothing is a, is a big part of that they they live on in history books, you know, and if you're picking this up, you know, picking up a history book in a couple decades and you're flipping through and you see the queen in a mask, you know exactly when that's from. And there's real power in that.
0: Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we've had a lot of criticism for calling out masks every time the royals step outside, but now they're entering a second lockdown. Yes. So it's like you want, you know, you want to see your monarch doing that. I feel like that encourages a lot of people to, you know, to see that. So Totally it's a simple step, but make it fashion. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Have fun <laughs> with it. Have fun with <laughs> For it. For your health and fashion. Yes. Yeah. Well, my low this week is that it's come out that oh, I, I guess we kind of heard this last week, but it got kind of brushed under the rug with all the election stuff. But people in the palace knew about Prince William's COVID diagnosis uh, way back when in April. So. Uh-huh you know, not only people in the palace, but they also tried to deny it. So a royal editor at British newspaper The Evening Standard, Robert Jobson, tweeted that he and several other newspapers actually approached the palace in April for confirmation about the diagnosis at the time. And they were told it wasn't true. So I don't know. It just feels like why, if you're going to come out with it eventually, like William, it was mentioned in an offhand comment that Prince William made to someone at an event. Like, I would feel like if you're going to tell people eventually, you should probably just not lie in the first place. I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a, it's all pretty murky. So, um, and then I'll go right into my high. So, I'm, I was going to do The Queen in a Mask, too, because we talk about it so much on this pod. But I think it was wonderful to see uh, the news today that Prince Harry will be a guest of honor at a stand-up comedy show honoring veterans next week. It's The show is called Stand Up for Heroes, and it airs Wednesday, November 18th at 9 p.m. on ABC News. Um, Prince Harry will join Bruce Springsteen, Jon Stewart, Tiffany Haddish, and more. So that'll be fun to see him on TV again. Is he going to tell jokes or I was like, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> is he funny? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I feel like he is really
1: funny. I I feel like he's I like he hang out all the time with yeah. George Clooney. He has to have yeah. like a sense of humor. He does, right? He's true. friends that's with true. George Clooney. Um, really quickly, my low of the week is personal, but I keep spending. It's part of my nightly ritual to refresh archwell.com right now because I'm like, oh. when is it going <laughs> to? How responsible like, of you a reporter? I just, yeah. I just really am excited. I'm like, I'm guessing they're waiting to launch in 2021, which makes perfect sense. I'm ready for the rollout. I just want to say it here. You know, my low is just I'm waiting. It's not really anything uh anything more than that um but and i think just because it's a theme i'm gonna make my high the mask wearing as well because i just feel like it was such a moment and you know i i really feel like we need to
0: celebrate that Yes, definitely. All right. So before we close, just another reminder. And thank you, Elizabeth, so much for joining us. This was so, yeah, this so was lovely. such a delight.
1: Thank you for being here for the whole time I and feel really like talking I, through all the news stories. <laughs> I really we had so value. many thoughts. I'm sorry. <laughs> like all time, like, we love your thoughts. Elizabeth.
0: Yeah. No, it's so wonderful. All right. Well, a little housekeeping before we close. Leave us a royal rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Reminder to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram and the Facebook group. Drop us a reader email at infogallerypodcast.com. We love to hear from you guys. And till next week, God, God save, save the pod. The pod. <laughs> we say it all together. I'm oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I no, I, no, no, You, you didn't, didn't to. To. That was great. <laughs> I wasn't sure.